Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Hashtag RealPod. I'm your host, Victoria Garrick, and this episode is so amazing and also low-key super hilarious. I mean, I'm not going to say we're super funny, but you can let me know afterwards. My guest is Elise Lougie. She currently works at one of Fox Sports' hit TV shows where I met her during my summer internship last year. She's an absolute boss lady dominating it in a pretty male-dominant environment. We immediately hit it off and I also learned there was a lot more that we had in common than just our love of sports. Elise was a competitive dancer all through her childhood, training alongside ballerinas who went on to be in the New York City Ballet. But immediately following high school, Elise landed a coveted spot on one of the top NBA dance teams as a Cavalier girl. Now, despite achieving her dream of being on that squad, she endured an extremely toxic environment that really shook the way she viewed her body and self-worth. Now, Elise has never spoken publicly about her battle with body image and mental health, so I am extremely honored that she chose to do that with us and our community here at Hashtag RealPod. This is so special. So thank you to Elise for being so brave and confident to share this all with us, and may her courage inspire the next girl, and I know that she will continue to have the powerful impact that she has had on me. I'm very excited to present Elise Lougey. Okay, we've already had such a great conversation. I'm just hoping we can save some of these nuggets for the actual podcast. No more ate all the chicken nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so happy that you're here. And I think what's really special about this is I met you when I was an intern at Fox. Just a little baby. Oh my gosh, literally my saving grace last summer. I miss you so much. Oh, I know. It was so fun. And you were just so nice and normal and like helped me out a lot. And I think it's so great that we stayed in touch, but also what really just really affected me was I always sort of admired you. You came into the office and you were so beautiful and you had these adorable outfits and you were funny and talkative and outgoing. And I just thought you were so, so cool. And so when I started RealPod and then you messaged me and said, oh my gosh, I have so much to talk about. Like I was a dancer. I was a pageant girl. I'd been through this and that. It just reminded me that no matter how someone appears on the outside or, you know, how beautiful they look or how this and that, most girls, if not all girls, have been through something pretty tough. And so when you messaged me that, I was like, yes, let's let's do this. Yeah, I think people who seemingly have it all together generally don't. I don't think we all have it all together. I'm still actively trying to figure my life out, and I think I will probably be doing that 
for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. And anyone who, I hate the, like, fake it till you make it phrase. Like, don't fake it till you make it. Just be real about what you're going through. I know. And I think fake it till you make it works. I definitely, when I'm, like, in a really bad spot, I do have to think that. But then other times, I'm like, you know what? This is tough. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I spent, I think especially, too, with Instagram. Like, Instagram makes it very tough to, to feel bad to have those bad days where you're like god I'm I'm not doing enough I'm my job's not good enough my wardrobe isn't good enough my life isn't good enough I'm not traveling enough and then you open up your Instagram and you're like oh my god she's in San Tropez or like <laughs> I go on LinkedIn and I'm like they're making how much money and then yeah. I just like spiral and <laughs> I know I totally know and especially we're so addicted to our phones that after a terrible day, like, laying in bed and pulling up our phone is almost like an outlet, right? It's, like, relaxing to pull up your phone and just, you know, go through stuff. But all that stuff we're seeing is, like, positive, amazing accomplishments, and so yeah. it just contributes to the negativity. Yeah, it's this it's this mindless activity that we all do that we don't realize is just, like, almost making our day worse. Like, mm-hmm. man, I was having a really bad day, and then I saw this girl in a bikini, and she looks amazing, and I don't feel like that right now, and, like... Guess who feels worse? <laughs> me. Yeah, from me on Instagram. And also, too, like, she probably facetuned it or something. Like, I know. people don't even look like that. I know. Like, you can't <laughs> trust anything. You cannot trust anything you see. Do you follow celeb face? No. I do, and I love it. And oh I actually... God. I wonder if you're the one that showed that to me. I probably... I follow celeb face. I had to purge my Instagram and unfollow every account and every model that, like, didn't make me feel good. I love that. Snaps. I've done that I too. know, and it honestly really helped because it's like, at the end of the day, I'm never going to look like Bella Hadid because I'm not over six feet tall and genetically blessed, like... Or have, like, millions of dollars to do everything you need to do with exactly. your aesthetic. I know, and people... People who say they those girls don't have work done, like they do. And if you get work done, that's totally fine. I'm not knocking it. I just can't afford to do it. So like, well, but also <laughs> the thing, yeah, I'm not not. I'm not. I want people to feel good about themselves. And however you achieve that, I yeah, have, like if that means getting your boobs done, do it. Right, but don't lie about it. And so that's what I hate when girls are I like, know. "This is naturally what I've attained from the gym and from eating this diet regimen." And if you do this, you can look like me. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like that's not the that's truth. not true. Or even like recently, I've seen Sophia Richie, and Sophia Richie went from having this like normal girl body to all of a sudden looking very curvy with a twenty-two inch waist and huge boobs and I'm like huh like that's not puberty you just like I'm so out of totally it I changed trying to your look is she a, like a blonde influencer um Sophia Richie is Lionel Richie's daughter she is a blonde influencer also naturally a brunette she's dating Scott Disick and so she's more oh, yes 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 she's morphed into a Kardashian and she was <laughs> I mean Sophia Richie was beautiful before and now she looks like an influencer. I don't know. That sounded mean. We no, that up. But, or just someone that like really she prioritizes her appearance. Like her her butt is like really big. I know that is from I think watching Kardashians, but I also love your knowledge of pop culture. We would just get through the days like talking about what's going on online. I remember we our first uh, disagreement was when I asked everyone at the office, boring day, people, I'm sitting there, we see the story in the news, I won't You're get into it. You're such a weirdo. And I was I'll like... I'll never forgive you for this. I was like, if you were stranded and it was either die or eat a person who's already died next to you to survive, would you do it? 
I would die. We have to do an Instagram <laughs> poll of this because I want to know how many of your followers are also just would, as weird as you are. I wouldn't do it. Human flesh. I wouldn't choose to eat it for dinner on a normal Saturday night, but if I I'm going to die or have to eat someone's, like, you know, arm, I would probably Honestly, do that. like, it's been a great 27 years. It's been <laughs> such a good run. Like, You'd rather I've, die than eat someone. I've, like, done a lot of the things that I've wanted to do. I have, like, an, <laughs> I have a wonderful family, like, a beautiful marriage, and, like, if I was one of the boys stranded in the cave, I'd be like, honestly, like, if natural selection picked me first, then that's fine. I'm not gonna eat a human. I can't even, like, fathom seeing a dead I'm, body, I'm let alone sh- ingesting one. Same, and I'm and sure... you have to pass it. So I'm sure I would whammy. probably, like, be, be, like, crying and, like, throwing up as I'm trying to eat it. But at the same time, like, I think we will do crazy things. It's our animal instincts, like, to survive. I'd rather... I'm I'd talking- rather gnaw off my own arm than gnaw off my <laughs> teammate's arm. They're, te- Do they're teammates already, know this? they've already left. Um, as in, like, they've gone to the the, the higher place. Uh, so it's not like, you know, they're alive. This is a real question. Have you had this conversation with your teammates? Do any of them know that we, you would eat them? We always used to joke about, like, if we did a Hunger Games as a team. And, like, we would just <laughs> joke about how, like, quickly we would all kill each other. So, uh, I don't even... I'm sure they'd all be like, yes, Lord we're eating you, you, you first. This is the original Lord of the Flies. I think it bre- it really brings out people's <laughs> true colors. And I'm not a cannibal. You are. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> we're in that situation one day. I actually feel good knowing that if I passed first, you would probably bury me instead. I would bury you. Um, if I passed first, I would definitely taste like Bath and Body Works lotion. <laughs> you would taste so good. Oh, yeah, candy that's what, apple. That's another thing we were all talking about in the office. We were like, Elise would just taste like a cute little appetizer, like super sweet. You don't need I would, to add sugar. Yeah, because I'm a snack. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. <laughs> Off of our morbid topic, which we will pull later. Um, I have been learning a lot about you just through our conversations prepping and getting to you at Fox. And so I kind of want to rewind and just start from when you first started dancing. Because a lot of people don't know that you were an NBA dancer for the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers. It's a tongue twister. Um, I mean, some of your colleagues that I worked with you for a while, too, were like, Elise, like you know, I'm like a sniper from the side with it. I don't like to (laughs) I don't like to lead with it because it's been so long and I always felt like... it was 50-50. Like, half of the people thought it was really cool and really impressive, and the other half of the people, I think I lost... They didn't understand it, and so therefore, it's like, oh, she was a, an NBA cheerleader? Like, I think some people maybe think it's too sexy or too risky, and I'll tell you a million reasons why that's not true, but it's, that's why I never really led with it at work, and my coworkers didn't know, because I just didn't want anyone to... Judge you. Potentially, yeah, or potentially look at me different. Or, I don't know, like... Google my Cavalier Girl pictures because <laughs> I'm in a swimsuit okay, and it's I totally weird. tried and I did not find that many. I mean, I'll be There's honest because you were telling me how you're stalking my family too. I, no, I looked. I couldn't find that many because I need some for promo. Did but, you Did you use my maiden name? No. That's why. Oh, wow. Okay, well, that's where Elise, we go. Elise Lougie has no internet presence. Elise oh. Budwanek. Lit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like literally two full on different identities. I do. It's it's so funny, and I laugh about that all the time. It's like I do have two identities. Elise Lougie, who is like me now in California, like no longer a Cavalier girl, and then there's Elise Budwanek, this Cavalier girl, pageant girl, <laughs> living in Cleveland, and I like I like didn't go to college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love that. So I like Elise Lougie better. So let's go with Elise Budwanek. 
Budwanic. Budwanic. I'm the worst. Are you? What is? I'm. My mom has a Greek last name, Panagakis. So I. Jeez. Um, it's Ukrainian. Ukrainian. I love that. So I love a good pierogi. Like our Easter dinners are the best. Ooh, I feel that too. One one year we roasted um, a pig. Ooh. I don't know how I feel about that now. I'm like an animal person now. But okay, that but was you when I was younger. Eat, but you would eat a dead body. Okay. Oh, sorry. Like, okay, that's if my life that. depended on it. That is so different. <laughs> oh my god, you're cracking me up. This is going to be a tricky. great episode. I already know it. <laughs> okay, I will so. say I do think I'm the funniest person that I know. <laughs> I, and I'm glad we have that on record. That is hilarious. No, I'm very impressed. Okay, let's Mrs. Miss Funny. I feel like I'm the one that's being interviewed now. Take me back to when you started dancing how old were you I was probably two and a half so my mom worked at a dance studio my mom um grew up dancing danced recreationally and when she had me she was taking adult dance classes and I think got to know the owner and so my mom had three adult dance classes a little pole stuff no, like like tap. Oh, <laughs> oh God, I've taken an adult You're dance. Talking class. about my mother. Okay, well, you said she took adult dance classes. Anytime someone uses the word adult before something as an adjective, it usually means like R-rated. Unfortunately, in the year two thousand nineteen, you are correct. In ninety one, an adult dance class meant like my mom was going and taking tap class. Oh, okay. So sorry, Jean. Not going to disrespect you. Although I will. <laughs> never mind. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say it. Say it. <laughs> okay, so the story yes. of my conception is that my mom came home from dance class <laughs> and had on a leotard, and there you go. Oh, And I'm okay. 10 years younger than my siblings. Oh, so, so you were the little accident baby. I was the accident baby, and I was the dance class baby, so it's only appropriate that I... Became a dancer. Became a dancer. Oh, I love that. And I also, too, just found that story out, like, probably last year, one of my mom's friend told, friends told me... So, Mom, I know you listen to this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. No, I think it's, like, Love beautiful to know you were, like, conceived of love and, like, total spontaneity. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't worry. We'll, we'll move on from this topic. Yeah, um, so, you started dancing. Okay, and yes. when did that pick up and become, like, competitive? Like, I want to be um, the best in my age group. Were you going to, like, the dance competitions when you were 12, 13? I was. So, I was, like, naturally really good. No. <laughs> not at all. Um, no. So, my mom worked at this dance studio. So, I spent... I grew up at the studio. Um, when I was a little kid, she would take me there during the day. And I just, like, kind of naturally fell into dance classes. And then my older sister was dancing, and she was competing, and she's six years older than I am. And so her older classes, I would just, like, be on the side, like, bopping around, trying to learn everything they were learning. Um, so it kind of got to the point where my mom basically was just signing me up for everything she could. And I didn't – academically, I hated school. I really struggled all throughout school. And so I feel like dance – at that time, I felt like dance was the only thing I was good at. So I just, like, really leaned into it. And I think fifth and sixth grade, I competed. Um, and then I really wanted to take it to the next level. And there was a pre-professional ballet program that was really close to us. And it was probably the only ballet program like that in northern Ohio. And those girls were good. Um, and it was a really intense program. And so I decided... I was going to leave my dance studio, leave my friends, and go do this pre-professional ballet program. So that's when I went from doing jazz, acro, 
ballet, hip hop, to just doing ballet. And ballet is very intense. It For was, people that don't know, yeah. ballerinas train it's no joke. every hour of the day. It's it's very intense. Becoming a ballerina, I know, mm-hmm. is super... I once watched that show that came out. Um, it was like Life of a Ballerina. It was a documentary. But, I mean, extreme competitors, yeah. extreme athletes. It's, it's the most competitive thing. And I... Where I was at... I would say 50% of those girls were on track to be professional ballerinas and probably 25% of them did. So as of right now, two girls who I grew up doing ballet with are with the New York City Ballet, which is one of the top ballet companies in the world. Like, Mm -hmm. it was no joke. And it was interesting, too, because it was like, if you want to be serious at that studio, then you're making you're making a lot of choices so you're sacrificing friends you're sacrificing schooling so a lot of the girls were homeschooled like it really was your life and I knew from the get-go I was never going to be a professional ballet dancer like I just physically am not built to do it and I was not built like those girls were built but I knew I always wanted to dance ballerina I've I've met a few girls specifically one who I knew know used to really practice competitive ballet and she told me I don't know if it's the same as all studios that like they would weigh her and that you had to look the part of a ballerina like it's not very in, like there is a look to be a ballerina yeah well it's it's interesting I almost I don't know if it's not it there's a look but I think the look comes because it's I hate saying this but the lighter you are the easier it is to do things like it's just the it's the mechanics behind ballet and then also the muscles that you're developing. You're not developing, you're very strong, but your muscles are developing differently. So they're developing very long and lean. And there's just a body type where it's easier to develop long and lean muscles like that. Whereas my body type's not like that. Like I am very, I, I have very strong muscular legs and instead of developing kind of long and lean, they develop like normal muscles develop. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's a very specific body type and I also think too a lot of those girls are really short and tiny. Like it's just yeah, I don't know. So did you just start to look around and think that you weren't developing the way they were? Yeah, and I just knew like you could just tell the girls who were going to end up being professional dancers. And it was very apparent to me at that age where I'm like, "Oh, I'm like we're the same age and those girls are phenomenal. I'm not that good. Like, and I was a good dancer and I was good at ballet, but the level they were at, like, and that's how it is too with ballet. Basically by the time you're 15, your fate's kind of decided. Um, so a lot of the girls, when you're a teenager, then you get invited to apprentice at a ballet company. So it's not like, you know, you go through high school and then, and then, oh, I'm going to see if I can get in a ballet company. It's like, that's been decided for you by the time you're kind of 15, 16, and you're already leaving your studio. So That's by the a time, ton of pressure for a 15-year-old yeah. girl. And at the time I went there, I was 12. Like, I don't know, maybe things would have been different if I started there when I was four. But the ship had sailed. <laughs> Darn it, sure. Elise, get on it when you're four years old. I know, old, okay? come on, Mom. You knew about Royal School of Ballet. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy that they no, start that young and barely even know like kind of what they're getting into, and then it's this whole like, it, decision at 15. Yeah, it's just, it's it was so intense. And But any competitive sport like that, like gymnastics, figure skating, anything where you can, where you take it to a level at such a young age, it's 
your fate's just decided a little bit younger. So. You're also very, at a young age, you're also very influenced by what's going on around you, and you're not smart or wise enough to know if that's good for you, healthy for you, or if it's the right thing to be doing. Yeah. Um, so when did you leave ballet and go to more conservative dancing? I, hmm, I think when I was 17. So I basic, there was a change in the studio and the program had definitely gotten more intense. And at that point I was just doing different things. And I was in high school, I was working, um, I was working at a salon because I was also going to cosmetology school. And I just knew this really intense ballet program wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. And I wanted to go towards a more commercial dance route. So I either wanted to dance on a cruise ship or I desperately wanted to be a rockette and I am an inch too short. Oh, brutal. I know. know. So I wanted to be a rockette or an NBA cheerleader. Like it felt like for me as a dancer, there were way more opportunities um, that weren't in ballet. So my junior year of high school, I continued to take some ballet classes, but I started taking more jazz classes and contemporary and hip hop and really trying to expand it. Because I think the one thing, when you're only trained in ballet, you look very awkward doing hip hop. At least I did. And I heard that just about every day on the calves. <laughs> wow. So, from girls or for the coaches? From the coaches. Oh gosh, yeah. I was like super awkward. Just all limbs. So take me through that audition process. Like when, was that the first NBA t- squad you were a part of? Yeah. So I... By the time I graduated from high school, I knew that was my goal because there was a girl who I used to dance with and she was a Cleveland Cavalier girl. And I remember thinking to myself, like, if she can do this, I, to- I can do, I could totally do this. So I knew I needed to basically prepare for that. And I spent a summer in New York. Um, I was interning at a dance studio in New York. So I was taking classes and just getting more exposure. And then when I came back, I had missed Cavs auditions. Um, but there it was an arena football team in Cleveland. And those auditions were in October for that dance team. So I'm like, okay, I have to do this so I can understand what it's like to be on a dance team. Um, the coach was a former Cavalier girl. A lot of the girls who were on the team were former Cavalier girls. So I'm like, this is a really good opportunity for me to figure it all out, figure out the style. So then come June, when I try out for Cavs Girls, I'll be ready. Um, So that's what I did. I made that team. I cheered for the goddesses for a season and then tried out for Cavs, and I made it the first try, which is super rare. That, like, does not happen. Wow. So. When you went to audition for being a Cavalier girl, what is that process like? Are they having pictures of you guys and are they like measuring you guys and are they like, could you feel like a part of this too is also like my appearance? Oh God. Yeah. I mean, every year I tried out was different and my first year was the least intense just because I had the least to lose because I wasn't on the team anymore or because I I wasn't already on the team. Once I was on the team and then I had to retry out and retry out and retry out, that was like when the pressure really sent it set in. So you definitely know, I mean, 50% of it is your look. You have to have a specific look and you have to have a specific outfit that'll catch the eye of the judges and you're wearing a two piece. So you have to 
have an athletic body type, um, hair and makeup, super glam. So my first year I stressed about it, but I don't particularly remember. I, I don't think they ever measured us at that point. I know they definitely took pictures of us in swimsuits because there is a swimsuit calendar that you shoot every year. Um, and then I will say, I think every year that went on, the weight thing got more intense So my first year, we never got weighed. My second year, we did a calendar shoot and they put us on like a pretty, pretty extreme diet and like made us, made us feel pretty bad about losing weight before the photo shoot. And then my third year. Did you guys not have a choice? Was that everyone on the Cavalier girls or was it, hey, you five, you're doing this diet? No, it was everyone. So. So they're saying no matter how anyone had looked, everyone needs to lose weight. Yeah, which is, looking back on it, so weird because, and I feel like that really affected me because I was, like, I never needed to lose weight. I was always, I I was always very cognizant of my weight and how I looked and I was very obsessive over it. So for me, when, you know, we're getting ready for calendar shoot and we're on this diet and our coach is, like, group threatening all of us instead of, like, talking to individual people, then you know, then I'm taking that as Bible and I'm like stressing out over it when I had already been stressing out over it. So it was just, it's just like doubling down on kind of this toxic thought that I already had. And then my third season, my third season was my thinnest and I was, I was too thin. Um, and I remember that's when they started weighing us. So remember my coach weighed me and the weight I was, was probably like, it was, it's, it was 20 pounds thinner than I am right now. So just imagine how thin I looked. And then like, that was the weight that I had to stay at. And I just remember being like, oh, come on. And then we would have to put our uniforms on and all line up next to each other. And we're all getting compared. And then you have to jump up and down to see what jiggles. And then you have to sit to see what rolls. And like, it's tough. And also that's like the horror stories you hear that sororities do, but you're like, you hope they're not true. You yeah. actually do the jump. And the- oh yeah. And like also to like, part of it is, it's like, it's your job. Like they're paying me to look the way they want me to look even down to my hair color, to my nails, to my makeup. Like every season they'd give me my celebrity lookalike and say, here, this is how your hair has to look this year. And also, it's like, it's your job. And they made it very clear to us that you are replaceable. Um, if you don't like it, there's the door. And if I had a dollar for every single time that they told us that, if, if a girl complained, like, oh, okay, do you want to go? Like, oh, we got here at 6 p.m. and it's 6 a.m. and we're still practicing. I'm not being dramatic about that, by the way. Like, well, there's the door. You can go. And there's another girl who wants to take your place. So we were never in a position to say, like, this makes me feel bad. Or, like, it's basically, like, you know, if your boss told you, like, hey, you have to weigh this much. You have to look this way in your uniform. This is how your makeup needs to look. This is how your hair needs to look. And, by the way, look like this 24-7. You can't even come to practice without makeup on. Like, I still have a text message from my coach in my phone that says, remember, you're a Cavalier girl at all times. Don't come to practice busted. Like, when I was on the team, I was really angry for a really long time. Um, It wasn't fun for me. There were aspects about it that were fun. But What do you mean you were angry? I just was, like, the way we were treated and... Upset you. Yeah, and I was just... I always said, like, and the reason why I went back 
the years that I went back is because I always said this could be better and next year it's going to be better. And that, so I, I always went back because I hoped for the best. I think in any abusive environment or like emotionally, it, uh, yes, in abusive it, environment, it's always like, well, it could get better. And it was literally like, and any single one of my teammates will say the same exact thing as I'm saying right now. It was the most toxic relationship that I've ever been in. And relationship is in your relationship with yourself or real, with like, like a relationship in general. With just you and like being a cavalier girl. myself, with the organization, with my coach, with... It was just wild. And it's like, you know, my teammates and I... When you go through kind of what we all went through, it creates this bond. Mm-hmm. So I'm so lucky I did it because I have 18 best friends forever and just like really good bonds with girls. But then I also have this period of my life that I look at and I'm like, God, that was really cool in pictures And it's, like, real sexy in writing, but in reality, it was, like, I was, I was suffering, and I was, like, so anxious and so burnt out, and it just, like, wasn't, it, it wasn't as fun as people think it is. And I always, people, I remember when I was on the team, and people, the Cavalier girls, wine and gold, and so I'd always tell people, like, you know, not everything that glitters is wine and gold, like, this is... This is really tough. And, like, yes, there are moments that were fun. And, like, when you are on the court and you have a 90-second routine and you're just, like, giving it your all, that's fun because you just worked your butt off for those 90 seconds. And when you're meeting a young fan and you have on the sequin uniform and you feel glamorous and beautiful, like, that's fun. But everything else in between that was just, like, treacherous. When you first had your year there and you were getting this routine of like, okay, appearance is important. Like these things are being watched and monitored. Did you see like immediate changes in your relationship with like food in your body? Like from those Oh my God, yeah. Oh, immediately. And then like also to, you know, I immediately saw a change in how I thought about food and exercise and I was going about it in the complete wrong way. And it's they didn't give us the tools to, like, be healthy. And I just, too, like, that first year, you know, I was really young. I was only 19, so I didn't really – I didn't have a good understanding of what my body needs and how to take care of my body. And then also I was practicing three times a week um, – it generally felt like it would be like practice game, practice game. Because when the NBA season starts, you're just like, it's it it's so much when it comes to practices and appearances and games. And then our practices would be so long. And it's just like, my first year just truly felt like I was drowning. And it's like, it's just all these things that I didn't expect and it was so difficult. And I just remember being in a constant state of anxiety because I'm, I have a game. Are my thighs touching? Is my stomach fat? Um, Are they going to call one of the 20 routines that I have to know by heart? Not even including the dance that we've prepared for or the sideline chance or this or that. You said you had already been stressing to this prior was that just because you had always been a dancer and you'd always been in these uniforms and on stage with the makeup and the lights and you just kind of associated like looking good with also succeeding as a dancer? Absolutely. I always associated my weight in particular with success. Um, and I think that's... Like numbers you wanted to be on a scale. Yeah, and I think that's because, let's say, 
you know, for my, the first time I tried out for calves, when I tried out, this is how much I weighed and I made it. So now next year I need to be thinner. Next year I need to be thinner. Like, I see. And even now, I mean, it's been five or six years, but I still have this unrealistic number in my head. And it's like, I always, like, I have to tell myself, like, oh, that's so wrong. Like, you're, and the number on the scale is so different. Like, I have so much more muscle now. My body type, I went from looking like a straight line to now just looking like a healthy person who works out. And I still enjoy myself. I drink wine. Like, I eat pizza. And I also, like, will go out and take soul cycle or run sprints. Well, it's just really easy to get caught up in the numbers. I remember being... 16 and you could go on the Victoria's Secret website and look at like what size the model's wearing. I the worst. There was also this girl I used to know who was signed by a modeling agency and I feel like every girl when they're in freshman or sophomore in high school is like to be a model just means like you're so pretty. So when this person became a model I remember on her like profile website it had her measurements. Her measurements. Oh god. And I I remember and then I remember looking at her measurements grabbing the measuring tape sure. and measuring myself in my room and being mortified at how far off my number was from this person who, to me at the time, I thought represented what beautiful is. Oh, yeah. you. I remember I would always Google, like, how tall and what is this celebrity weigh? Just like... Oh, me too, me too. I know. And Every Victoria's like Secret model, I can tell you their weight and height. I know. So and, bad. like, the measurement game. That is not real it's, life. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Speaking of that, the other day I was getting... This just... I'm triggered. No, I was getting a dress altered, and the woman at the dress shop over here on San Vicente was like, she measured my waist, and she, no joke, looked at me, and she was like, oh, wow, I thought your waist was smaller than that. Oh, my I'm gosh. like, wow, lady, honestly, why are, don't talk. Yeah, don't talk. Also, like, she, you have, out. also, that is just, it's such a great example of when other girls are just super ignorant and make comments like that. And she's probably not thinking about any negative effect when the effect is so negative, when that has been a theme your whole life is the numbers. I know. I'm like, did you really just do me like that? Also, like, after (laughs) I had, like, worked, like, I was getting ready for an event and, like, I worked out really hard with a trainer for six weeks. I, like, really was, like, focusing on building muscle and just, like, when I went in there, I was feeling like my best self. I was... Just, like, feeling so good about how I looked. And then she just really cut me down. That's brutal. You know, well, like, we're, we're never going back there again. I know. I'm like, you <laughs> monster. I'm going to go to the one in Santa Monica. Ugh. I, yeah. I. Well, I decided I don't weigh myself anymore. I don't know if, I don't know what, you know, you like to do now. But I just decided, like, I couldn't do the numbers. Because, similar to you, of course, there's a number I can remember that is supposed to be my number. That when I'm this number, like I'm pretty and, and I'm inside like, a good I'm body. Ha- I'm happy when I'm this number. Right, right. We make that up in our head. And yeah. so I got to a point in my life where I realized, like, I will never be that number again. I, I, it, that was six, five or six years ago. Like, I'm I just different. Like, my, I have more muscle. My boobs are bigger. Like, my body's changed. I don't know if my hair's longer and adds a pound. Like, I will just <laughs> never be that number. I'm, like, a little more swollen than I was. Right. And I read this part of this book that I absolutely love, and it basically said, like, we step on the scale 
pretty much asking this machine, like, can I be happy with myself today? Yeah, it's like, honestly, ruin my day. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) make my day or ruin Ruin my my, day. And 99.9% of the time, it's going to ruin my day. And regardless of how you feel, like, if you feel absolutely, you wake up and you're like, I feel bloated, I feel great, and then you get on the scale and the numbers higher than you thought, you're like, oh, wow, I feel, but you feel good. And so it's like, and then when you, conversely, if you feel really, you don't feel good about yourself and you step on the scale and the numbers lower, you're like, oh wait, I'm going to go have a pizza. So it's like, we're giving this stupid machine the power of our happiness. And frankly too, I feel like, like I don't trust scales at all, at all, at all. I don't, yeah, I don't even know the last time I owned one. Oh God. Or I'll like go home my parents' house, which it's so weird. Whenever I go home to my parents' house, I, you know, it's all the same mirrors in my same bedroom. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, when I get back in there, I get in that same, like, little obsessive headspace. Of, like, how where you I'm, like, remembering looking in those mirrors. Yeah, and so I'm, like, it's been 10 years or six years or whatever, and I'm, like, looking in the mirror, poking and prodding the same way I did when I was 18. And I'm, like, almost 28. I'm, like, and I remember my mom came in last time, and she's, like, whoa. You're being obsessive. What are you doing? I'm like, yeah, this is wild. I have not done this in so long. Sometimes there can be triggers like that. A space, yeah. a person, totally an triggering. event coming up. Um, Prom, that was always triggering. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, <laughs> Auditions. And then you have these, like, you're stressing about it months out, about I gotta look this way. Oh, gosh, yeah. One thing, I used to have a, not about body image, but with my mental health, like, my locker room just made me feel depressed, even when I wasn't anymore, because I would just go and I'd look in the same mirror and my posters would be in the same place and I would just be like, I've looked in this mirror so many times really and depressed. I, yeah, like when I was in a really bad headspace, I was looking in this mirror and now this mirror puts me back in that same headspace. I totally get that. So I rearranged my whole locker because I was like, I just need a shock to the system. I can't keep walking in to look at this locker with everything arranged the same as it was during this this other time. So I don't know if you're able to rearrange that room maybe, but... I mean, I don't live there, so. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> no, but even like, well, that's why I, like, I love, so my husband and I just moved. And I, the process of moving, I love because it kind of exactly what you said. It's like, I almost, it's like old habits now can go out the window. So anything in our old apartment that I didn't, that I did that I thought was negative or I didn't like, it's like, this is a clean slate and I'm not going to do this now in my new home. I'm not going to bring this, I'm not going to bring whatever negative energy was there in this new place. Can you share an example of maybe one of those things? Um, I think, well, so my first year, so I've been in California for almost two years now and my first year in California was so tough. I mean, I was having an absolute nervous breakdown. Like, it was the first time I ever was away from home, and I'm really close with my family. I'm really close with my friends. My husband and I came out here for his job. Luckily, I was able to get my job, and so I had something out here too, but it was it was not only was it a culture shock, but it was a total life change because I'm, you know, I'm away from everyone. I'm like living in this really fast city that's not Ohio, and I'm also now working full time. That's a big change, Ohio to LA. Yeah, it was like... For me, it was just sensory overload, and my husband, Matt's seven years older than I am, and he grew up in Florida, went to school in New York, lived in Cleveland for 10 years, interned a bunch of different places. Like, he just had so much, and he's traveled a ton, he's just had so much more life experience than me, so for him, the move was like, why are you upset? We're moving. Like, this is great, and for me, I'm like, oh man, I can't, like, I, I remember when we 
the first two weeks, I literally did not leave the apartment. Like I was just had this paralyzing fear. And then once I got a job, I had to leave. And it just like, there were so many times where I was just literally like riddled with anxiety and just this paralyzing fear that something bad would happen. And a lot of it too was like, because I was out here with Matt and we had just gotten married and he was kind of my lifeline. And it was like, oh my God, what if something bad happens to him? Like, it was for, so I was just like constantly living in fear and like that, like the Venice apartment just like reminds me of that. Totally. So I remember like now, and like we had been looking at houses and we had wanted to move. And I just remember being like, I like, we had so many, we had so many good memories there. But I just remember being like, I can't wait to get out of here and like feel like I ha- I felt like I had way more control over this last move. And it was like, and this is a home now, like we own this place. And there's something way more secure about that. Like a sense and of way belonging less, to LA yeah. now. You're not just visiting. Exactly. Like this isn't, this is permanent now. And so I was just able to like, and I was able to be excited about it and I wasn't in such a sad place. And I think like, honestly, like I needed to go to therapy and I got on an antidepressant and I needed to like own how I was feeling because it was just, but when you met me last year, I was like an absolute monster and I like did a really good job of what do you hide, mean a monster? Like, well, I would do a really good job of like hiding it at work, and then I would come home and just be like a total basket case, like literally whether I'm like crying uncontrollably, super depressed, like angry, just was like it was like so in my feelings and in my head, and I like sort no of, one had any idea. Yeah, that's wild. No, I for <laughs> everyone listening, I would go to work and just like be pumped to see like your cute little outfit. Like I thought you were Thanks. so nice and adorable and everything. Um, but I, I was secretly like just melting. I kind of know what you mean though about having like two different Elise's. Like I was in the car this morning feeling like I have two different Victorias and it depends on who I'm around or what I'm doing when those come out. And it's like, I know at my best, I'm the super bubbly, like fun girl, but then sometimes when I get into certain spaces, I'm not that person. And it's weird I almost feel upset with myself when I sense myself switching from person to person. I'm like, why can't I be this awesome person all the time? Yeah. I think my, I totally get that. And I definitely like, there are a couple, there are a couple different versions of Elise and that mainly is like in terms of filters. Cause there are some people that I'm way more filtered around than others. And you know that cause you've witnessed your unfiltered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love my unfiltered self, but she's not for everyone. Um, but isn't it weird when you literally maybe were hysterically crying that morning and then you come to work and you're talking to someone and you're thinking, you had no idea I was crying. I know. Well, I, oh my I've gosh, been there a I remember times. one time I came into work and I was late because I couldn't find my shoes and I literally had a nervous breakdown and I remember looking at you and being like, I was just, cr- I, rem- I told you that. And I was like, I couldn't find my shoes Everything is wrong. And I just remember, like, I totally, like, remember, like, you, or, you know, when you, like, destroy your closet trying to find something? I was, like, over it. But, um, yeah, no, so I would go to work. And one thing my mom always taught me, because I've always dealt with a lot of anxiety, um, and it's not how you feel, it's how you function. And if you can just, like, freaking get through it, like, you are so much stronger then you know, and eventually, like, it's not how you feel, it's how you function, and eventually when you just start functioning and doing it, and then that turns, you can turn it around, and I think 
there have been times in my life where I've really leaned into that and I've turned it around. And then there have been times in my life, like last year, where I'm like, I got to call on the reserves because I can't, I, cause I, I've, I'm, I'm in such a bad spot that it's like, I need, I think I need to take something. And I remember telling Matt, like, I think I need to get on an anti antidepressant and I've never, I've always dealt with things and felt anxious and felt depressed, but I've never felt like, oh, this is getting really serious. And I think when it started to affect my marriage and how I treated my husband and when I was just like crying all the time, like who wants, who wants to be married to the, to the cry baby? <laughs> well, what's, impo- what's important for anyone who's experiencing anxiety to know is you're experiencing an emotion, a universal emotion, oh, which is yeah. anxiousness, but you are not anxiety yeah. you are oh, not that's anxious such a good way to put it and I think when I, I I always say that too I always say I'm anxious or like and no, I'm like very me. self-deprecating so I'll always be like I'm neurotic or I'm anxious but when and we, it's like nah, when we I act neurotic or I act anxious right when we judge and label ourselves as these things it feel it seems so much harder to shake and especially for someone it's who's so anxious true. when I like am a catastrophic my therapist would tell me I'm like a catastrophic thinker and so I go from like A to Z immediately I mean everyone is dying yeah <laughs> I can't wait for Matt to listen to this because he is going to crack up because <laughs> he knows like I am literally the person who like I'll see something that could potentially be like a little bit of a baby risk and 10 minutes later like it it is the world is ending it is this is happening like right I totally know our pets, pets like, are pulling up like it's just crazy you I'm, have to bring yourself back to zero and I be know, like okay I'm, this is all in my head and this is ugh, these are irrational thoughts I'm such a spiraler but when I finally heard and I realized like yeah I, Victoria, am experiencing anxiety, which is a universal emotion that a million people experience too, versus like, I am anxiety, I am anxiousness. It's just so much harder to kind of grapple with and then figure out like what you need to do. But when you talk about uh, starting your antidepressants, I similarly had to do that as well. And fortunately, always with, you know, the advisory and the counseling of a therapist who, you know, helps diagnose you and gets you everything. So you always do that with someone. But, um... I'm the kind of person that does not even take Advil. I'm like one of those people that's like, my I'm, kids will never go to the job. I'm like, okay, not really. I'm not actually psycho like no, that. I totally get what you're saying. But when that's- I'm feeling pain and someone's like, here's an Advil, I'm like, no, I want to feel the like I want to feel I want to feel what's going on in my body. I just like never Yeah, I don't I don't know why I was against it, but I was because I guess I just always you- thought like I'm strong enough, I can get through this. And that's like what what makes me mad looking back on it is that I was so bullheaded and stubborn and was like, I'm strong. I can get through this. And it's like, I spent nine months suffering when I didn't need to be. And like, strength shouldn't depend on like, like I, to me, my the strongest thing I ever did was look at my husband and look at my mom and say, I'm going to go to a therapist and I think I need to get on something because this is not working for me anymore. Well, the concept literally of taking medicine is I need to take this every morning to be the person I want to be. And no one wants to have to rely on anything else to be their best self. And so that in general is just really hard. And especially for people who experience mental health issues that are lifelong and they're always going to need a medication to help balance their, their brain chemistry. It's just a really hard thing to grapple with is like, I'm not, I'm going to need to take this to be where I want to be. Yeah. And that is what really got me and, and made me put it off as well for months and months. Because it makes you feel like you're broken. And it's like, well, I'm not broken. Like everything, everything, you know, everything's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with me. 
And then I think once you get past that stigma, because it is a stigma, it's like, well, it's he, fine. Here's the thing people need to think about as well. If you um, tore your ACL, they would go do surgery yeah. and they would fix it and they would, you know, tie, put things in there that aren't naturally or whatever, because that's how you heal the injury. Exactly. Similarly to a brain injury, if my chemicals are out of line, they're not balanced, like with depression, and anxiety, your brain is not the same as it is when yeah, you're it's misfiring. Yes. So why, why you, would I just let this continue to malfunction when if my car's broken down and the check engine lights on, I'm not going to drive like you're not that. Gonna say, oh, I'm strong. I'm going to drive with no yeah. lights. <laughs> I have a flat tire and I'm literally just like, poof. Yeah, on my head, on my head. I cap. will drive on the yeah, freeway like, with a flat tire. This car's strong. <laughs> like seriously, that's insane. And, every, and because it's on the outside, everyone can see it, and everyone looks at you driving with a flat tire and is like, "Look at that a hole." I know, right? Right. And so it's so important to just kind of put your pride aside and say, "This injury, this internal injury, I'm suffering from. This is the medicine the doctor wants me to take for it." Yeah. And you know, the stigma sucks, but luckily. You know, when people like you can say, yeah, I, I took antidepressants when I needed to and it helped me and I did the therapy and I did that, um, you know, it helps get rid of that terrible stigma, totally. which is what initially made us, you know, not want to do it. Yeah. And it was hard for me too because I'm not a big drinker. I don't like, I've never tried drugs. Like, that's just not me because I hate being not myself. I'm like def- deathly afraid of the concept of drugs because I already know how, like, neurotic I get and how anxious I get so I feel like if I ever right. like did a substance it would just like I, take me to the moon I always <laughs> tell my my friend my won't say who but I have a friend that like you know loves trying everything whatever and I'm However, just like everyone knows her I'm the kind of <laughs> I'm the kind of person that I just know if I did like shrooms or something I would, I would see huge tarantulas, green monsters, fire. Like, I would just see everything you I, don't want to see. Any type of draw, like, I'm the, like, I'm the 1% of people who would die. So, like, this is a great example, like, Botox. <laughs> so, like, I'm kind of getting to the age where a lot of girls I know are getting Botox, like, preventatively. Because I like to think I don't have a wrinkle on my face. Um, you don't. <laughs> thanks. It's an illusion. There's also nothing wrong with having wrinkles. It's part of aging. I know. Anyways, so I'm the person, though, that if I got Botox, I'm, like, that 1% that would die of botulism. So, therefore, <laughs> I botulism? could never get Botox. It's, like, what happens... This also, too, like, someone needs to fact-check me because they both, like... Great, I'll have my team of fact-checkers fact-check this. I know. Where is Monica Padman? Do you want, listen to Armchair Expert? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Do you actually listen to that end of the episode fact-check? I do. It's funny. You're that nerd that listens to the fact-checking listen, section. I have less than a friend in California. Like, I really... I mean, like, aside from you and, like, my actual oh, okay, friends. Okay, like, okay. anyone who I am friends with, I'm sorry for saying that. But, like, I don't... So I go to work, and then I just am, like, in my feelings all day long. So all I do is listen to podcasts until approximately 8, 8, like 8 p.m. when my husband comes <laughs> home. So, yeah, I have a lot of time on my hand to listen to the facts That's yet. funny. Um, well, Hold on, let's look at... She's pulling it up now. Botulism. But I will add, on Poisoning. top of you having this crazy fear of botulism, which we're going to learn the definition of really soon, oh, I... Okay, see, you what can be point. It can really mess you up. Okay, or you so can die. She's just showing the images of, like, if you if your Botox doesn't sit well Botox with, Botox like, botulism s- poisoning. You went to USC, so you could probably read this word. Oh, God, you're so <laughs> Long story short, you're to, afraid. To, to temporarily prevent a muscle from moving. Botox to- toxic deaths. That's me. 
Oh my gosh. I know. That so if I die at the less age of 30. Less than 0.005% of people. Absolutely. Catastrophic thinking. Hi. So if I'm dead at 32. It's because you got Botox. It's because my skin's going to be so, <laughs> so wrinkle free. No. You definitely don't need that. I've always thought about Thank that you. too though. Like with my, my brand I'm building as I age, it will be interesting to see like what <laughs> my content becomes. I'm going to be like. You guys, no Botox, wrinkles, wrinkle like, free. <laughs> this is how I age. Menopause. Like you're gonna be like that. Will like come. if you ever have children, you're gonna be like real post in the delivery yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Camera like, in between my open legs, watching baby. Whatever. Like Courtney Kardashian when she literally pulled Mason out with her bare hands. That is savage. <laughs> so savagery. Childbirth is savage. My sister just had a baby. Let's talk about real post. That is so. Oh my gosh. gnarly. Yeah, I honestly now that I get older and I kind of think about it I get scared it's frightening it is frightening but it is beautiful at the same time well it's wild that like we can do such an amazing thing like the human body women's bodies are no it's like what yeah we create life man I honestly no it makes like my mom growing up always whenever I would like be a brat she'd always look at me and be like I brought you into this world and I will take you out And honestly, I get it. Like, if I birthed a human and that human was. What else would you birth? A little alien? A a poodle? (laughs) A little, a mini Teddy? An Abby? No, but if, so if I had a child and then that child was a 13 year old brat and looked at me and was like, screw you, mom, I totally would look at it. And like, I don't think I ever talked to my mom like that, but you know what I mean? I would totally look at it and be like, oh no. I gave you life, and I will absolutely take it away. That's hilarious. <laughs> you were telling me about your mom last night. What did you say? She's not a helicopter parent. She's, She's a, a fighter, fighter jet, jet My mom was on it like stink on poop. So was your mom involved? Did Did your mom know about, like, the insecurities you were experiencing, like, through Cavalier Girls? Like, did you say I'm being – these things are happening to me here? Um, she picked up on it. So I would always – I think as a teenager, I was always, like, really secretive and really evasive. I don't know why. I guess maybe I just always, like, felt embarrassed for feeling those things. I don't I don't know why I was just, like, weirdly keeping it all to myself. Um, and then my mom kind of realized what I was going through, and she was like, oh, no, like, we're, this is not – this is not how it's going to go down. Was that you telling her or her, f- like, just – Saying I'm seeing this and I'm calling the shots. Um, her saying I'm seeing this and I'm calling the shots, and me being like, at that time I was probably 19, and me being like, oh God, look, was I was, I feel so bad for my parents between well, the ages of like 18 and 23 because I was not a nice person. No one's a nice person when they're not eating food and they have a terrible relationship with their body. Like you know, what I'm saying like it's I know. just like I you're just like when I don't have hated like everyone I'm, and mostly myself. If I skip one meal. I'm so angry. Like, I don't know. I couldn't function being hungry all the time. And so, like, that's obviously, I think, why we're not we're not our happiest when yeah. we're trying these crazy things because it doesn't feel good inside, like, to be, like, have those things going on. I know. I'm like, oh, all I'm drinking is, like, Starbucks coffee, and this is awful, and I just, like, was exhausted because I was dancing so much, and cows was crazy, and my life was stressful, and I felt like I didn't have control over anything. Literally didn't have any control over my entire life. And then I'm, like, a 22-year-old, and I want to go out with my friends, and my mom's like, um, yeah, you need to come home. Like, you're not, you're not going out and drinking, or you're not going out and doing that. And I just remember thinking, like, but I'm 22, I'm an adult, what the heck? 
But at the end of the day, like, I lived with my parents, and it's their house, their rules, so... That's me right now, 22, living at home, baby. I know, and you went away to college, so it's tough, because you, like, had your... You had your wings. But also, too, like, you're not, like... I don't... Like, I don't take you as the type of person who would, like, have a bad relationship with their parents. Not that I did have a bad relationship with my parents. I was just, like, a jerk. Right, you just butt heads. There's an age group. There's an age where you... Yeah, I just, like, thought I knew better than my mom. And the one thing that I've learned, finally, at the age of 27, is that, like, God, she's honestly always right. Even down to, like, picking out my wedding dress. And I'm like, I don't like that one. You didn't like your wedding dress? Well, no, I loved it. But she, like, picked it out or something. You know, it always happens like that. And I'm like... When I see it on the hanger, I don't like it, and then I put it on, and oh, I'm like, "This is the one." Moms are the best. At that. They they pick it out of the hanger, and it looks like the most hideous thing you've ever seen. And then you put it on, and it becomes like this magical I know, Cinderella like, dress. I'm on uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, "I'm beautiful." Or like, I remember this is so funny, and it just goes to show, like, you know, my, you you never grow out of it with your mothers. But on my wedding day, she wanted me to wear fake eyelashes. And I, like, had already done my makeup. My face was looking beat. You're already, like, I look, wait, beat? You mean beautiful? Like, beat, you know, like, when you, like, beat your face. Oh. It's like, um, if you, it's like a, like a YouTube makeup influencer term. Ooh, okay. I should know. <laughs> you gotta, you're, yeah, it's like a, like a, um, like a Jaclyn Hill wait, or, like, a Tati. I think you're kind of wrong. Beat is, like, a negative term. No, beat, when you beat your face, you, like, you know, you're beat to the gods. When you're beat to the gods, you're like, it's like being snatched. Like when your wig snatch? <laughs> what? Uh, that's another term. No, or like your waist is snatched. Beat to the, yeah, like, oh my god, I'm beat to the gods right now. Like, my face is like, I am like full influencer Jaclyn Hill beauty. Okay. Okay, you're beat. Once Continue. again, Monica Padman, please fact check this. So my, like, makeup had looked really good. I did it myself. My mom wanted me to put these fake eyelashes on, and I'm like, no, I don't want to. And we literally... <laughs> got in like the biggest fight on your wedding day on my wedding day and so I didn't put them on she begrudgingly was like whatever and then honestly like looking back on it I should have put the stupid lashes on no you shouldn't but I looked fine like whatever it was Sedona you looked beautiful and I remember my whole thing I was like it was Sedona like I don't need to be full glam Oh my gosh, yeah, that's, I was <laughs> so stupid. I'm the kind of person where, like, I'm super <laughs> sensitive, so if my mom Same. said that and I didn't want to, the whole day I'd be like, I don't look good enough because my mom, like, said I need to wear this oh, and I'm I didn't so wear this. so sensitive. Well, that, I think that was probably part of, like, some of the reasons why I was such a brat in my early 20s and late teens because I think my mom, you know, my mom always had the best intent- intentions and she would want to help me feel better. So she'd be like, hey, let's go to Jazzercise or let's go run or let's make green smoothies. Like, let's be healthy. And I think I always took that as my mom wants me to go to Jazzercise because she thinks I'm fat. My mom wants me to go run with her because she thinks that I need to run. You know what I mean? Right. You're taking it as a negative. Instead of my mom's like, we got to change some habits. Like, let's let's like run. instead of like, watching TV, let's be outside. Or or instead of like doing um, doing something unhealthy to lose weight, let's go about this the right way. But instead of not eating to lose weight, have a green smoothie. There's nothing wrong with that. Like that's you know what I'm saying. So she would always give me these healthy options to fix my bad that's habits. That's really hard. And I would just take that as like. You think I'm fat? I think moms like cannot win in that situation. Absolutely, my you mom can't and I win. have been talking about that recently because I want to have her on the podcast just to kind of talk about like my whole eating past from yeah. her perspective. But we were talking about like I used to go on these diets, which weren't 
crash diets. They weren't unhealthy. Like a nutritionist had helped me form like whatever I was going to be eating. Mm. But during the time I would like be like, okay, I'm on a diet. Like I tell my family, like I'm doing this with a nutritionist. And then, so my mom would like go get a cupcake for my brothers and come home with two. And then I'd be like, where's my cupcake? Like, do you think I can't have a cupcake? And she'd be like, oh, I don't Hilarious. know. Like, she's like, I'm just trying to support you. Like, oh you God, told me I you're eating that. healthy. You're not eating, like, whatever. Wow, and daughters then I was like the worst. I know, right? And so I just, it couldn't win. And then, and then the day she did bring home three cupcakes, I was like, mom, you're so not supportive. I told you I'm trying to not eat I junk know, food. right? So, I mean, that whole, they don't even know, what, I feel bad for them. It's just a losing, it's like an absolutely Wait, losing talk battle. talk about catastrophic thinking. I will, like, lay in bed at night being like, oh my god, is my daughter going to love me? Like, am I going to help her? She can have body problems. Like, I just want her to love herself. Yes, I know. Honestly, like, I get so nervous about that because I was such a terror to my mom and I know it's just, like, life, like, the universe is going to come back with a vengeance. But right now, I have a poodle. She's my daughter and she is such a jerk. So I'm like, maybe this is my penance. Right. For being just, like, such a snippy little biatch. And then you'll get a nice little baby. That I know. Like, and then I'll just mom, have a nice... I love you. A nice little baby boy who's not like, I need to face tune my butt and make it bigger and my hips smaller. Yeah. Gosh. Also, too, and so I, the whole Instagram thing, I'm like really nervous about having kids because of social media. Well, I'm feeling very confident that Instagram will be I think so different by the time. I think it's snapping back. Matt and I always talk about this. Of we think the. Instagram model that specific look and like anyone who's listening to this knows the Instagram body that I'm talking about right it's a very specific it's not realistic and it's probably not real no it's insane and it's like I have a feeling like that that look um on Instagram and like that like the like the Kylie Jenner it's a great way to look at it um and the the barstool smoke shows and like the old what's the other one it's like it's another like college bro account. But people, I, I, like, the I don't guys want... look at that account and think it's like. Well, and it's real. a thing. Like these these guys look at this account and then they see like me in the wild. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like defined in the wild, just like just like on the street. And like <laughs> I think I'm like like I think I'm like a cute girl. Like for you sure, know what I mean? you're but like, like a harm solid ten. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not like, denying it. I know. I'm like yeah. Yes, and. Talk about an improv. Yes, and. Yeah. More, please. No, so I, but, like, I don't have that look, and I, you know, it makes me wonder, like, if I have a teenage daughter, is my teenage daughter, who's not going to look like that, if she's my daughter, that's for sure, is she going to look at herself and think, like, I'm not, I'm not sexy? So I hope, I don't know, I I think it's all going to bounce back. I hope it bounces back. It's just, like, such an unrealistic image and body type and it's also well, it's like very amazing it's like, how it's like very body types have changed like I think a long time ago that hourglass shape was what everyone wanted and then I think when I was growing up it was just being like skinny oh my gosh when I was like in my most influential like teenage years it was the like Carly Kloss um, the pair when Paris Hilton was really thin, when Nicole Richie got really thin, that was like the thing. The People thought that was beautiful. Like, yeah, just like being very skinny. Like Kate Moss. Like honestly, I just remember being a teenager and being like, God, if I if you could see my collarbones or my hip bones, and no matter how thin I got, like I'm just not a bony person. Right. I've never been able to see. That's the thing. Those is bones. Our bodies are all super different. No matter how much I tried. 
I'm never going to have, like, the Candace Swanepoel hips because no. that's not my body. Yeah, like, I don't, like, as much as I like to think I'm Kendall Jenner, like, I look, I'm not built but like also, her. like, what's important to notice is when you were younger, that is what people thought was beautiful and you try to be that. And then now it's this hourglass. And then I'm sure later for our kids, it's going to be something else. Oh and God. so the point I, there I for our kids, honestly, I hope it's just like a healthy body. It's well, just your best self. Like, you know what? I, I just want to look or not even. No, I, I actually, I hope, I hope it doesn't look like anything. Yeah, I hope it's how not, we feel. Yes. Like, I not feel even kick-ass. for what the media is doing. If we know that over time, the everything keeps changing with the standard of beauty, and we're just trying to be that standard of beauty, and it keeps changing and changing, it's like, like just I'm not even going to partake. Like I'm going to decide what looks, what I like, what I'm comfortable with, what works for me. Well, honestly, the a really good comparison to this is eyebrows. If I was following a standard of beauty right now, I my eyebrows would be like thick and microbladed and like matching the color of my hair, and that's just like not how my like that's not how my eyebrows were supposed to be and thank god I didn't mess them up because I love my brows it's so coincidental that you mention eyebrows because when I do my body yours look great by the way (laughs) thank you when I do my I don't get them done I just pluck them see when I do my body image talks I literally use the same example I go through eyebrows I go through body types and then I go through makeup routines and I say how it's constantly changing we're never gonna be whatever the, the society wants us to be so just decide that you're over it and just pick whatever you like yeah and or even like Gosh, makeup is a good one, too, because I remember, like, five years ago, my makeup used to be so dark and smoky. Like, the Urban Decay, um, what was, what's the really popular Urban Decay palette? Um, Naked? Oh, yeah, the Naked palette. And I remember the very first Naked palette, they had, it comes with, like, a thing, different ways to do it. And the one was, like, the Smoky Reality Star, which is so funny, because, like, it was, like, the Kim Kardashian of eyes. And I remember I just, like, always, like, the if I look... smoke, yeah, I was yeah. so in. Like, you'll see Cap's pictures, and literally my eye makeup was black. And my hair was, like, that, like, big curl out, which I do think was probably my best hair look. Um, very interesting. I remember the smoky eye being big, and so was big hair. And all if I stuff. did that now, I would look like a freak. I mean, I just prefer not wearing a lot of makeup. Like, you're looking... I went to an event today that was probably important, and I... I don't know. I just... Yeah. Look, I... Sometimes it's fun for me. Like, I ordered Amazon extensions for $10 for Vegas because I want to have, like... I want to do a a night where I do, like, a long hair look. Like, that's just fun to play with. So you'd be like... You're, you're different Victoria. Yeah, for sure. Like, ooh, Vegas, and I think, Vegas Victoria. Yeah, Jeez. Vegas Victoria. Double V. Love that. <laughs> I want everyone to know that, like, it's okay to wear makeup and and God, put yeah. on a, a fun hairdo and a fun extension, whatever, for the night. Like, I cool. But don't rely on that every single day to like yourself. Well, and it's tough. It's tough, and it creates a negative image. Like, I... When I was on calves, for me, like, I was only pretty when I was done up like a cavalier girl. And then now I've realized, like, there's different, like, I'm still, I still feel pretty. And then I can, like, really feel, like, really take it up a notch and, like, do my makeup. And I love makeup. I am such a makeup girl. Saturday night, Matt and I go out. I am, like, liquid eyeliner, just on point. But... Right now, like, I don't really wear makeup to work. I get up super early. It is not worth it. Like, as long as I don't look like a hot mess, like, who am I trying to impress? Right. You know what I mean? But, like, on Saturday night, if I want to, like, feel a little bit, like, a little more, a little 
like I'm standing out a little bit more, then I'm going to put on some makeup. It's just fun to... I love to sit... In high school, I always used to love to have, like, a vanity and, like, sit in front of the mirror with all of my little brushes and tools and just spend, like, an hour just doing, like, nothing. Walking away looking like I did in five minutes. But like, honestly, taking two hours. It's to, fun and it's therapeutic. And it's a form of artistry and, like, creativity and, exp- and self-expression. Um, I love it. Yeah, me too. It's but not definitely like every that. day because it's seriously such work. I'm not good at it. I'm not that good at it either. And I also, to, too, I like, a major lesson. I'll give you... I'm... I, I like really it. okay. I, I love to see some of your work when we're done. Yeah. <laughs> check out my check out my wedding, peep my wedding pictures. Yeah, I did my own hair and makeup for my wedding. I'm like such a big hair and makeup girl. Oh my gosh, that's literally like gonna be me. I've never got my makeup done before, and I'm just too scared. I don't want anyone to do it. I'm just I don't, worried that they, I won't like it. No, yeah, I'm the same way. I don't like when other people do my do my makeup because I don't like to wear a lot of foundation. We well, have great skin. Thank you. I know, but, like, if you have, like, a gnarly underground pimple, you're going to want to put some retin-A on it. I don't know if you get those. I do. I've had, like, maybe one or two bad pimples, but... Okay. Bless. I've, I've, Honestly. Whatever. I'm not going to... I have one or two pimples right now on my back alone. I was... <laughs> I'm kidding. I was... You know what? I'll say it. I was blessed with great skin. You People are always like, beautiful skin. People are always like, what's your skin routine? I'm like, literally water. Cetaphil. I don't even have, I don't have a moisturizer. I don't have a lotion. I don't, I, literally water and I take my makeup off before bed. And I'm just. always take your makeup off before My bed. brothers had bad acne and like acute, so that. Like, don't drink, don't smoke. Hey, but I got the, I have the stretch marks. They had the acne, whatever. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. I have, I mean, those are, I, why are stretch marks, like. Why is that? A, why are those a bad thing? When every we they're all not have them. They're not so a bad why thing. Why do people want to cover it? Like what? because it's so weird to me. Year years and years of magazine and TV and models trying to hide them marks? made us think that they were bad. I remember when I was in fifth grade and I first got stretch marks on my thighs and literally you say fifth be, grade. Yeah, same. And being like, what is happening to me? And it's like, oh, you're just getting the, you're growing. Like, why are stretch like stretch marks equal? You're getting fat, and that is not true. Like that is a that is a lie. Yeah, it a just mean, it just means that your body is growing, and I think the important thing for people to know is one stretch marks aren't, stretch marks are not bad. Being quote unquote fat is not bad. Yeah, looking different than what we're seeing in the media is not bad, and that took me so long to learn. But we're like inversely taught like without it being spoken that they're bad because we don't see them on the beautiful models yeah because they're all airbrushed out and the beautiful models are supposed to be showing us like what we're supposed to look like and so when I don't see this thing on my body on the beautiful model I'm like oh my god I need to get rid of it that's yeah but now I'm just like so for them I want to like put glitter on them like the tiger stripes I love that look (laughs) real post I wish I had stretch marks on my boobs because then that would mean that I would have big boobs. <laughs> also, that's like sexy. When not I see people with stretch on their boobs, I'm like, I love that look. Not saying that I don't love my boobs because I think they're great. Right. I have, <laughs> but like if they were bigger and I had stretch marks, I would be so here for it. I have some on my boob. Not that you could see <laughs> the eye, but I so can lucky. see. Yeah, but I just, I would just feel like a real woman. <laughs> Speaking of kids, I know when I have kids and my boobs get bigger, I'm gonna have stretch marks because I'm just like prone. Like that's just my genetics. Gosh, when I have kids, my boobs. Are going huge. I don't know how it went here. You just know. Yeah. Well, because when I am going to get my period, do you ever I'm, feel like as a girl you just you can sense it? Like I can just sense my body. I'm like I know this about my body because I for just sure. Know. Well, and also too, I feel like you're like 
like, after, like, you get your period for so long, I just think you know, like, how things are going to go. And so, like, whenever I'm going to get my period, I literally will gain, like, 5 to 10 pounds in water weight, and I go from an A to, like, basically a C. Except, like, my left boob <laughs> Overnight. is... No, my left boob is a C, and my right boob is definitely, like, a B. Because, like, every... Also, too, like, everyone has lopsided boobs. That's a thing. And, like, forever, I remember being in seventh grade when I first finally got boobs, and they were so lopsided, and I was so mortified, and now I'm... 27 and I'm like well here they are yeah <laughs> no no two, no two things are the same <laughs> here are the girls wait yeah speaking of things that are supposed to be the same and we were just talking about our eyebrows <laughs> and speaking of the girl that was doing your measuring okay so I went to this salon and there was like this big in LA there was like this big eyebrow guy there doing people's eyebrows like after they're getting her hair done and I've never got my eyebrows done and I was just curious like I just was like hi I was like I was like would you just quickly look at my eyebrows and like tell me like you're just automatic thought tell me what you need I literally just and I wasn't gonna book an appointment or anything I'm just like curious like what he would think of my eyebrows because I kind of think they're good I uh, know your eyebrows are so perfect they're, oh they're just, just wait they're just perfect for your face oh my god you're so sweet so I'm like hi sir please look at my eyebrows and just give me your feedback and he's looking he's blinking He's not saying anything. And I, and then nervously, I'm like, I read somewhere that they should be sisters, not, not twins. Not twins, yes. And he goes, I live by that. Honey, sisters, but not cousins. <gasps> and I was like, oh my God. Like, he's basically saying my eyebrows look like cousins and not sisters. No, they look like they were, they look like they were placed there on your face and only for your face because they are perfect on your face as they should be. Right. They shouldn't be some weird penciled in too dark. And for anyone listening to this that is wondering what their natural eyebrow is, here's your tip, all right? Grow them out. Grow them out. Throw your trezor away. Throw your coloring things away. Just let them grow. I love every once in a while, I just let my eyebrows grow out and I'm like, let's see what shape we take this year. Every (laughs) once in a while, I let my mustache grow out. (laughs) No, like, see how dark this is. That is my freaking deepest, darkest (laughs) secret. Like, I remember getting upper lip hair in like high school and being literally like, holy, I have a mustache. I was like, I am a man. (laughs) Matt will like occasionally look at me and be like, I just want to know how you get rid of your mustache. And what? I'm like, honestly, I hate you for saying that. And also, like, some things I need to keep to myself, babe. Oh, okay? my God. So, wait, like, that's hilarious because... I know, like, sorry. I I'm feel dark. like Max knows everything about me, too. And, like, obviously, the insecurities I have in my body. And he'll talk about, like, my sideburns. Or, like, I grow an occasional, like, hair on my neck that he, like, Ooh. loves that thinks it's so funny when I grow this hair on my neck or, like, whatever. <laughs> um, and, and I have really hairy arms, so I'm, like, super Same insecure here. about all my hair. Oh, my God. Also, two word of advice, like... Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say never shave your arms. Oh, I, well, that's good. Why, why wouldn't you say that? Because if people do shave their arms, I don't want them to feel bad. Oh, Oh, wait, do you shave your arms? No, and I'm so happy that I never did. No, yeah. I see girls who shave their girls, arms. Girls, embrace like, your arm hair. You're supposed to I, have vellus hair on your body. Yeah, that soft it's blonde healthy. Hair. That soft blonde hair on your arms. Girl, and like, that soft blonde like, hair. My, my like, arm arms your, is like thick. sideburns that you hate, like that is supposed to be there. Yeah, I went to, um, I was once in a dermatologist's office, and I think I like asked her about my arm hair because I was just like in that stage of my life where I was like, oh my god, I'm trying to fix everything. And I was like, are my arms really hairy? And she said something like, oh my gosh, I've never seen three hairs for one follicle. And I was wow. like, thank you. I, know. I remember in seventh grade, Joe Ryan, call out, 
Um, he used to call me Wookie because my arm hair, my arm hair was so long. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. And it really stuck with me. Also, Alex Ryder, like another call out. He used to call me Satellite because my ears are so big. Your ears are not big. I know. But, okay, what was I just See, about to say? These are stupid. We were talking about the hair. Okay, yeah. So I was saying Max knows like everything about me. All my weird things, like the sideburns, <laughs> used to be like. Literally, I also think I grow, like, one occasional chest hair every once in a while. Like, this one little spot. And I, like, just tweeze it. Um, Yeah. And so (laughs) I... Like, Max knows about all this stuff. Whatever. And at first, like, when these things started to reveal, like, I was like, oh, my God, this is so mortifying. And then he, like, didn't care. And I was like, okay, like, he doesn't care. Like, I get yeah. a chest hair once in a while. Whatever. But the upper lip is, like, something. And he doesn't, it's you know. sacred. This is funny. I know he doesn't listen to Real Pod all the way through. He just listens to, like, the beginning. And he's like, it's great, babe. So I know he won't get this far. But... Literally, the upper lip mortifies me. And if he is to know, say, if so he is to speak a word of it, I will I cringe. So, I know. Whenever Matt brings it up, I get so mad. And I know. Because I'm still, like, insecure about I it. I know. I'm like, but you I know please. what? Like, I can look at Matt all day and be like, oh, I don't feel good. This poke prod, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> look at this gray hair I have, which I'll show you afterwards. Yeah, I'm getting gray. <gasps> um, I'm getting gray and my husband's not. And he's seven years older than I am. So, like, what the heck? No, so... It's also, like, not that much. Like, it's not, like, I'm not, like, going gray. I just have, like, a few gray. Oh, okay. No need to justify it. Yeah, sorry. I just, like, needed to really clear that up. (laughs) I needed to clear that up with everyone. No, but the lip lip hair, he brings it up, and it just, like, it hurts my soul. I refuse to tell him. So do you always feel like you have to be, like, tweezing and making sure there's nothing there? No, because it's, like... You know he doesn't really care. I know. But you you want to avoid the comments. I, like, don't want him to say it because it's embarrassing, and I'm not going to say what I do because I know he's going to listen to this because I know he loves the sound of my voice. Right, babe? (laughs) Sometimes, though, when I'm, like, looking into Max's eyes and we're, like, sitting together or something, <laughs> and we're having that moment where we're just, like, examining each other's faces, I'm, like, for the first 30 seconds, I'm, like, oh, my God, I love him so much. And then, literally, I go, my, my, I'm, like, oh, my God, do I have a brother bear? Oh, my God. Oh my it's God. so funny. Oh I don't think that. And I'm, like, worried to have, like, a mustache she's looking at. I don't think that. Because I'm usually looking at his face trying to figure out if, like, there's anything that, like, I could be poking at. Like, I'm a pimple popper. <laughs> I and, love like, popping Max's pimples. Matt, oh, will, Matt and I had one bad experience where he, like, let me pop a pimple and it was the most pain of his life. Which it Those wasn't. ones feel good, though. Like, they hurt so it bad they feel good. It was a gnarly pimple and he definitely has a scar and so I'm sorry. Do you watch Dr. Pimple Popper? Yes. So, but <laughs> I've lost all privileges to <gasps> popping, like, any whitehead or, you Wait, know, like, so let me get this straight you were popping it it started hurting him and you just like held him down and got that thing out well like it was in a so it was like an ingrown hair <laughs> i love okay, the wait. ingrown hair ones you can't you can't put this on here but I'll tell you, so we gotta stop <gasps> i think Ooh. if you have any on your back though holla at you girl <laughs> i'll get you after, i'll get you after this podcast Ooh, you if you need it like if you have any pins like it's just i have it down to a science what do you mean pins because you have to like you know prick it a little bit oh especially with an ingrown hair I have these, like, things on my face that are not pimples, but they're, like, those calcium builds. Oh, yeah. Um, and I usually, like, I'll have to, like, get, get after those. Okay, what just, else? like, I get, like, a lot of whiteheads in my chin. Those are my favorite. Those always come. I'm like, why are you there? I don't put anything on my chin. I get so many. I'm just oily to the max. And one thing I wish, like, when I was a teenager, I was such a greaseball, and I still am. And now I, like, love it. Like, I wake up... For work in the morning and my face is greasy and I'm seriously like I am a dewy goddess <laughs> and this this I'm just like glowing I'm dewy I'm a, like a little a little greasy but I know <laughs> that because my skin is not dry it's like 
looking glowy. Love that. I love a dewy it. goddess. That's amazing. I know. I'm on the drier side. Like, I wake up and I have, like, skin crusted on my really? cheek. Oh, and I'm like, I need it. lotion immediately. I'm, like, turning to stone. Everything on me. Like, I can't keep nail polish on. I'm just, like, I am seriously a grease pit. Like, my hair. I have to wash my hair every day. Otherwise, it gets so greasy. The other day, Matt looked at me and he's like, mm, are you going to, are you, you going to wash your hair? Like, <laughs> Look, looking pretty, looking pretty wet up there. <laughs> You're like, like, what are you talking about? It's hairspray. After I wax my mustache, babe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Wow, I feel like we've covered literally everything. After I wax my mustache. <laughs> wow, that was a lot of different topics all in one. But I hope you guys enjoyed it and were able to relate or resonate with some part of this. And if not, maybe just giggle here and there at um two grown women talking about their mustaches. I love to see it. I hope you do too. Now, if you haven't followed Real Hashtag RealPod on Instagram, make sure you follow it. The username is RealPod. Give this podcast five stars if you're feeling so kind. Leave me a rating and I will see you guys back here next Tuesday.